Good morning. So glad to see you this morning. I just want to say it's okay for you to smile at me and nod your head, okay? That is totally all right. If I haven't met you before, I am Pastor Rodney's wife. My name is Shannon. So glad to have you here today. One of the best things about my life is I'm a new grandma. And so therefore, I have to share with you my little stud muffin. Oh, he's just darling. I'm telling you, if your life's a little blue, a little blah, you need to get some baby love in your life, okay? Find a baby to love on. We have so many super sweet babies here at North Church. You can sign up to rock a baby in the orange room. It'll do good for you. Go for that baby. Get to know the babies and their mamas. Help them out a little bit. Now, How to Win has been such a great series. Pastor Rodney has taught us about solitude, fasting, thinking, having the mind of Christ to win. Awesome spiritual disciplines. And today I wanna add to this series by discussing rest in Christ as our next spiritual discipline. Now, I chose rest because sleep is my all-time favorite. How about you? You didn't realize that sleep was like a spiritual discipline? You're doing better with your spiritual disciplines than you thought, huh? No, I'm kidding. I do love rest, but sleep alone is not resting in Christ, okay? You can define spiritual rest as a period of time that maybe that combines solitude, fasting, thinking about God, along with renewing activity that's with or without other people. And that is called Sabbath or Sabbath rest. Now in this series, How to Win, let's think about what we're trying to win. What are you trying to win? Because whatever winning means to you, that's gonna help determine your focus and your discipline. I want to win a life that brings pleasure to God. I want to win his peace. A life of blessed obedience. That is what I'm trying to win. But I am human, like everybody else here, in this body that's plagued with selfish desires and temptations from the world around me. Now, have any of you ever memorized Psalm 23? Anybody out there? I highly recommend scripture memorization. That is one of my favorite tools. Whenever my mind is worried, when I'm feeling distressed or fearful, I quote scripture. And often I quote Psalm 23, like when I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm having a hard time going back to sleep, I'll quote that over and over again. But I want to read a version to you that you probably have not heard before, and I'm calling it the modern American version, a psalm of a modern stressed American. Now, Mark, you won't be able to publish this, okay? It's not. (laughs) The Lord is my shepherd, but there are things I need that he isn't giving me. I cannot lie down in green pastures yet. I have a ton of work to do. My soul is anxious and I cannot decide which path I want to take. How long will I have to walk through this dark valley of indecision? You are here, aren't you, Lord? So many struggles and disappointments lurk in the dark. Your rod and your staff are not very comforting right now. Could I borrow them to clear away some of the obstacles in my path? You prepare a meal before me in the presence of my enemies. It is filling, 
but could I get a table with a better view, please? Like minus the enemies. Then I will be in a better position to have my head anointed and my cup filled. Surely your goodness and love will catch up with me soon. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever in heaven. Ever feel that way? Maybe you haven't prayed that out loud, but I think I have in my heart. You know, that prayer is honest, but it's of an individual trying to live according to the ways of the world and according to the ways of God. And that's being double-minded. It doesn't honor God and it does not bring peace. That is a prayer of a heart yet to be fully devoted to our trustworthy God. So let's compare the modern American version with David's prayer in the NIV when he declares his trust in God, his good shepherd. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The next time you're feeling stressed, why don't you try saying that verse slowly 10 times? Because you know, saying the words alone is not gonna help you. You have to get it from here to here. You have to believe the Lord is your shepherd and that he's providing for you and you lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. I'm convinced nobody else can do that but him. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a big difference between those two versions. And I encourage you to memorize from the NIV or your favorite translation, Psalm 23. And I want you to reread it and make a conscious decision to highlight the choices that David makes in that passage. David makes choices. God just doesn't automatically pick him up and plop him beside still waters. He chooses to follow the shepherd, chooses to make David his shepherd. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, thank you so much that we can be in your house today, God. Lord, thank you for your good plans for us, God. The truth of your word, the truth of your love, your grace, your mercy, God, your provision for us. Lord, we look to you now and we say, have your way. God, I commit these moments to you, God. Every word that comes from my mouth, Lord. I need the power of your Holy Spirit to guide and direct. Lord, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, today we're looking at Sabbath rest and I wanna look at why we don't rest, the purpose of the Sabbath, what happens when we don't have Sabbath rest, what Sabbath rest could look like in our modern lives and what could happen if we choose Sabbath rest. Okay, so that's a lot, so let's get going. Why we don't rest. Here are a few reasons why we might not be resting. One, we believe we lack. We don't rest when we believe we lack. Deep down, we might feel like we don't have everything we need physically, emotionally, intellectually, or materially. 
We feel we must work to acquire the things we want or need, and we don't trust our good shepherd to give us what we truly need. Some of us, we don't say it with words, but our actions show that we believe that money or status buys our happiness. So we work really hard to purchase our happiness. In the United States, we work so hard. We take less time off and have less ability to relax than just about any other culture. I'll accept some stats on American workers this week on the internet, and here are a couple interesting ones that I found. In the United States, 85.8% of males and 66.5% of females work more than 40 hours per week. You know, there's a whole lot more to be done in life than the time you spend at work. And according to the International Labor Organization, Americans work 137 more hours per year than Japanese workers, 260 more hours per year than British workers, and 499 more per hours, I don't think I said that right, more hours per year than French workers. Now, some people are working so hard because they're barely scraping by, and life is very expensive. But sometimes we choose to work those hours because we find our identity and our value in our work and we need another promotion or another raise to feel good about ourselves. You know, I've been caught up in that fearful, frustrated cycle of always thinking we didn't have enough money. In our house, I'm the one who pays the bills. Not really the one who earns the money, but like I write the checks, you know, and I organize the money. And I can remember when I used to just get in the most horrible mood when I would sit down to pay bills, just a terrible stinking mood. And finally, I had to realize that I was making that choice to get into that horrible mood and to be dissatisfied with what we had. You know, worry and a bad attitude, we're not going to multiply the dollars in our account. It doesn't work that way. I could count my blessings or count my woes. It was my choice. I had to decide. You know, we can get so caught up in that trap of believing that we don't have enough and that we need more. But sometimes we gotta look within and we gotta question our own desires. Because have you ever recognized that you can really, really want something and it might not be good for you. It might be absolutely horrible for you. It might be a person or a position at work. It might not be more money. But sometimes there's things that we want terribly. Our, our, our hearts will ache for things that we absolutely do not need. Every desire we have should be judged, not indulged. We need to judge them and appropriately deal with them. So one reason we don't rest could be because we're greedy and we want more stuff, or it could be that we feel we're not enough, that we have to do more and be more. Verse two says, the good shepherd makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. Sometimes we don't allow our shepherd to make us lie down in green pastures because we think we might miss out on something good. We think something fun might be happening, we might miss out and we're supposed to be living our best life, right? We all wanna have a good time. We're always looking for another good time. And so FOMO could be a reason you don't rest. The fear of missing out. FOMO is real, but is FOMO helping us or hurting us? Do we have to bow to that fear every time it sticks its head up? We have a choice. You know, we receive constant messages from our culture that we're missing out, whether it's through movies or commercials or social media. 
You see other people going to do things that you want to do, enjoying things that you wish you could enjoy, having fun at parties that you weren't invited to. We all get those messages and they create profound discontentment and mental unrest in our lives. But guess what? You do not have to subject yourself to social media and watching other people's highlight reels. It's okay for you to stop listening to those messages and decide to be content with what you have. You can choose to lie down and enjoy the pasture where you are, be thankful for what you do have, and not fear that you're missing out. Okay, one more reason. We might not be resting. We pursue amusement, not growth. We pursue amusement instead of growth. You know, growth is hard. It stretches you. And we are not growing when we pursue pleasure and comfort above all else. And because pleasure and comfort are so short-lived, we have to work really hard and continually to keep ourselves comforted and entertained. That leaves very little time for rest. We can live mentally empty lives, spending our days on little more than temporary amusement. And you know, functioning without thought leads to personal disorganization and chaos. It is not restful. So I wanna challenge you to ask yourself the next time you're facing a hard decision, am I gonna make a decision for my comfort or for my growth? Is this decision about love or is it about avoiding pain? Because you know, a lot of times when you make a loving decision, when you speak the truth in love, it can be hard and difficult, uncomfortable. But are you gonna grow or are you gonna choose comfort? Stop simply pursuing pleasure, what feels good, and start pursuing growth. Pursue love, loving God, loving people, following Jesus intentionally with all your decisions. You know, God knew that we would have the propensity to seek our identity through external things like positions at work or our possessions. Sometimes we're even just tempted to give up and simply live a life of avoiding pain, but that's not restful. And in Exodus 20, verse eight, God commanded us through Moses, he said, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter. And I just wanna stop and say here that the way you're working is influencing the people in your home. You're setting a pattern for them. Nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now we know God did not need to rest when he chose to rest on the seventh day. He does not get tired or weary but he is a God of completion and order. He created us and he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he understands our desires, our inclinations and our physical need for rest. And rest brings order into our lives. Another reason we can't rest sometimes, we can't be alone with ourselves. If you can't be alone with yourself, it's very difficult to rest. Maybe it's because we haven't disciplined ourselves to develop inner strength and character to face our fears and worries alone. 
So we need external props to hold us up or to entertain us, to keep our minds off of our reality. Sometimes we can't rest because of the secrets we have in our hearts. We can't stand to be alone with ourselves because we hate what we've done. You know, we can be tortured by the bad choices we've made or by the ways others have sinned against us. And without the grace of Christ, bitterness, fear, and shame can rule our minds, keeping us in bondage so that we are always looking for another distraction instead of facing the truth of who we are and where we've been. Now, if you're covering a painful secret with a forced smile today, please know that you're not alone. If we had a secret radar detector, I think we could see secrets all over this room. Because Romans 3.23 states that we all, all have sinned. We have all fallen short of God's standard. You know that bitter pain that that secret makes? God does not want you holding on to that. That's the whole reason Jesus came. That's the good news. He doesn't want you to live in that pain and that shame. He died in your place so that you can live in joy and freedom and in his rest. John 1, 9 says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we confess, he is faithful to forgive and cleanse us. But if we bury our sins, we're fooling ourselves and we're not walking in truth. We will stay trapped by fear and shame, unable to rest in his forgiveness and grace. So what does Sabbath rest have to do with facing the truth of who we are? Let's look at the purpose of the Sabbath, a few purposes of the Sabbath. One, it identifies believers. Honoring the Sabbath day identifies us as a believer, as someone who desires to obey God, to obey His Word. You know, everyone in the world has the same gnawing in their soul that they're not enough, not right, that they need to be more or do more. But those who rest in the work of Christ on their behalf are able to stop and rest in obedience to God. Secondly, to remember. He said to remember the Sabbath day, to remember Him. Sabbath is creating time and space to contemplate who God is, who you are, and the purpose of your life. We get so busy, so caught up in things that need to get done and the cares of this life. We have to intentionally create the time and place in our weekly routine to stop and remember God and remember that we are His. You know, when God rested after six days of creation, He looked back and He examined His work and He said, it is good. And like God, we need to pause and examine our work. Is our work good? What adjustments do we need to make? You can't make those decisions on the fly. You have to take time to examine your pursuits, to be honest with yourself. What are you pursuing? Who are you becoming? What is your mission? Satan would love to keep you so busy that you never have time to contemplate the significance of your life and your choices. He wants you to believe your days don't matter. Because if your days don't matter, you don't matter. You matter. You matter enough that God created this beautiful world for you to live in and sent his son to die so that you can live, you matter. But you know what? God's not gonna interrupt your life and force you into a relationship with him. 
He's not gonna shout to make himself heard. You get to choose if you'll make room for Sabbath rest in your life or not, and you get to live with the consequences of your choices. Now, a third purpose of the Sabbath, and my favorite, is rest. To rest from your labors as God commanded. Now, who else besides God commands you to rest? Nobody. You can talk. Nobody. Nobody. God loves you so much. He has commanded you to take a day off each week to spend the day with Him in peace and rest. Oh, nobody's good like Jesus. Nobody. Nobody wants that for you. But you know what? You got to rest. Work and rest are both so important. Both are necessary. And a work-rest balance is critical. We were created to work. And we feel good about ourselves when we produce quality work. And we produce the best work when we are rested. Likewise, we rest best when our bodies and minds have expended our energies fruitfully. If you're not resting, you're not operating at your maximum capacity. God has commanded you to rest because he wants you to be your best. If you want your work to have meaning and purpose and you want God to bless your work, invite him into your work. Dedicate your career to him. Work where he wants you to work, when he wants you to work, how he wants you to work. He created you to work and designed you to produce. Now look back at verse three from Psalm 23. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. He's the only one that can restore your soul. And living in the world and working six hard days a week takes a toll on your body, your mind, and your soul. You need that time to let him restore you and then to receive his guidance to take the right path, including the right work path. He will show you if you will take the time to let him guide you. Now, what can happen when we don't rest? First, when we don't rest, we do what is easy instead of what is best. We do what is easy instead of best. Because when you're tired, you default to what is easy. You don't wash the dishes, you just leave them in the sink. I go to bed without taking my makeup off. You don't discipline your kids because you're too tired. I don't want to meddle here, but what do you have that's more important than your kids? You got to save some time and energy to love your family, take care of your home. If you're not rested, you will not have the mental, emotional, and physical strength to do the right thing instead of the easy thing. And you know, obviously, we get sick too. We get sick and we make mental mistakes when we don't rest. Now next, if you just keep going and keep going, we become weary and we set ourselves up to lose, to lose. And there is a lot at stake. We have a lot to lose. How do you know when you're weary? Most of the time you know, but just in case you don't know, I'll, I'll give you a couple hints. You're weary when everything seems like drudgery, when you're constantly looking for an escape, when you're avoiding people, when everyday problems seem overwhelming, when you're so sick and tired of being sick and tired. I've been there. How about you? You become cynical, irritable, and short-tempered over minor everyday problems. 
I always like to share with you what I'm reading. And I've been reading this book called Rebuilding Your Broken World by Gordon MacDonald. And he talks in here about people who have gotten so weary that they've made devastating choices. But he provides hope and he speaks truth, truth. And he says, one of the statements he makes in here is when the body and the emotions and the mind are stretched to the limit, the risk of sinful choices climbs out of sight. When you don't rest and you allow yourself to become super weary, you're setting yourself up to lose. Scripture teaches us that we're all born into sin, that we each have the capacity to make dreadful decisions that will destructively hurt ourselves and others. And by never resting, you allow yourself to become weary and numb to God, numb to the truth, and yourself <clears throat> set yourself up to make very bad decisions. And you know, Satan works to lull you into a state of deadened awareness by busyness because he knows you'll ignore the evil within you, giving it space and freedom to grow and to attack you in your weakened state. Sometimes it might take a crash in your life to make you realize the necessity of rest. In Luke chapter 15, we read about the prodigal son, how he took his inheritance, he wasted it on wild living and ended up in the pig pen. And it was only after he crashed, after pursuing his own ways, that he began to think clearly about what his home meant to him, what personal relationships meant, and most important, the consequences of his choices and the values by which he had been living. You know, God has had to use some painful circumstances in my life to grow me and stretch me. But I don't want to have to have a painful experience to grow. I want to choose growth by, excuse me, by walking in obedience and submitting myself to spiritual discipline. I don't want to have to cause a wreck in my own life before I learn. I want to stop and pause and submit to Him. So what could Sabbath rest look like in your life? What could it look like? Now, it could include solitude, that time of being quiet with yourself and God, it could look like fasting, the noise of endless TV, music, chatter, social media, and all the other busyness of your life. I read this week um, that it's now estimated that the average American pulls his or her phone out to check it 150 times each day. That's once every six minutes. Now, I want to remind you, whatever you're focused on is what you're worshiping. Are you worshiping your phone? Are you a slave to your notifications or knowing what is going on in everyone else's life and ignoring your own? Take some time to be still and know that He is God. Disconnect from the relentless influx of information. Now, Mother Teresa made a very powerful statement I want to read to you. She said, we need to find God and He cannot be found in noise and restlessness. God is the friend of silence. See how nature, trees, flowers, grass grow in silence. See the stars, the moon and sun, how they move in silence. The more we receive in silent prayer, the more we can give in our active life. You know, her life was an extraordinary example of the power of solitude. Her time alone with God gave her the power and strength to minister to multitudes under the most challenging circumstances. 
And we too can build inner strength and character through being silent with God. You know, learning to be still and quiet is not easy. You might experience withdrawals. Expect to have to work at it. But if you'll take baby steps and nurture, value, and cherish silence in your noisy heart, you will develop it and you may even, you'll grow to love it and long for it. Another thing you can fast on your Sabbath day is fast worrying. Like stop trying to figure out all your problems. Let them lie for a little bit. Delegate difficult conversations to another day. Refuse to argue on the Sabbath day. Try that one, okay? Spend time learning and worshiping with the body of Christ. Come to church. We come to learn, to realign our minds, our motives, and our purposes to God and His will. That's the whole purpose of church on Sunday, to help you remember God, to honor the Sabbath day, and realign yourself with Him. You can take some time to read, read His Word, read a book, make time to learn. Focus your thoughts on the truth of God's love and learn how others love Him and what they have to teach Him, teach you about Him. You know, we can always be learning more. There is so much to learn. I love learning. Now, how about this? Take a nap. Got the perfect weather for it. What is better than a nap on Sunday afternoon? God is so good. He wants you to rest. But sleep alone is not rest. Sleep can be a coping mechanism to avoid life or a sign of depression. But God will want you to get rest. You know, Sabbath rest can also include physical activity that rejuvenates you and creates thankfulness in your heart for the goodness of God. You can go outside Enjoy the beauty of his creation. Look around and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for what you have created for me to enjoy. Take a stroll with someone you love. Play a game. Do something you enjoy. And in the process, hold that thing up to him and say, thank you, God. It's his gift to you. You can eat a great meal with Thanksgiving. You can savor every bite and communicate your thankfulness to your Father for His delicious provision. On your Sabbath day, you also want to talk to Him. Build your relationship with Him through prayer. Now, if you're interested in learning about some really better ways to pray instead of just like being like me and woe is me, Lord, I need this and I need that. Like here is a great book that I got recently. This is the older version. A Diary of Private Prayer, a devotional classic by John Bailey, and he was a Scottish theologian. It was first released released in 1936. And this is a more modern version, a little bit easier to read. And it has morning and evening prayers, and it is so, so good. But I'm going to read one to you that I feel like expresses a heart desiring Sabbath. And it's from the old version because there's one particular phrase that I prefer. I just love it. He says, Almighty God, in this quiet hour, I seek communion with Thee. From the fret and fever of the day's business, from the world's discordant noises, from the praise and blame of men, from the confused thoughts and vain imaginations of my own heart, I would now turn aside and seek the quietness of Thy presence. All day long have I toiled and striven But now in the stillness of heart and the clear light of thine eternity, I would ponder the pattern 
my life is weaving. On the Sabbath day, ponder the pattern your life is weaving. Is your work good? Who are you becoming? Take time to think about it. You must be determined to have real Sabbath rest because Satan does not want you to honor God or protect your life by choosing to rest. And if you decide to commit to rest, he will challenge your commitment to Sabbath with a series of attacks or opportunities, all these fun things, these temptations to derail you from your commitment. But what could happen if you choose to honor the Sabbath? What can you expect by honoring the Sabbath? First, closeness with God, a personal, intimate relationship with Him. That closeness will remove the fear that is created by distance with God. You know, in all our relationships, distance allows fear and mistrust to deepen, but drawing near develops trust that God is actively involved in your life and that He is leading you beside green pastures. If you choose to honor the Sabbath, you're going to have more peace, make better decisions, mental, emotional, physical strength to face the challenges that life brings. Now, if you're thinking, I want that closeness with God, I want His peace, but you don't know my secrets, you don't know my life, or whatever reason Satan has sold you for why you can't get close to Jesus. I'm here today to remind you of who Jesus is, to remind you of the good news. He is Lord of the Sabbath. In Matthew chapter 12, he is the one who upset the religious rule followers by healing a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath day. He invites us to come close no matter what is sick or wounded in our lives, no matter what is withered within our hearts and needs healing. He invites you to enter into his rest through believing in him, through trusting that his sacrifice on the cross was for you and that through faith in him, your sins are wiped away. That's the good news. That is the good news. Let's close by reading it in Romans chapter eight, verse one. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving uh, his son as a sacrifice for our sins. We can rest because of Jesus. He paid the price and he said, it is finished. He is Lord of the Sabbath. He is our healer, healing our sick, weary, withered hearts and bodies. He is our savior. He paid the price for our sins so that we can rest in him. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you today, Lord, that you paid the price for us. We do not have to stay trapped by sin, shame, or fear. 
You see it all. You know the secrets within our hearts. You know our regrets. But thank you. Thank you that there is no fear in your perfect love that you took my punishment. Lord, I love you. I thank you, God. I pray for every heart that's here this morning through this moment, God. Reveal your truth to them. God, may we look to you with thanksgiving, with gratefulness, with honor. You are worthy of all our glory and all our praise, Lord. God, thank you that you made a way for us through Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the North Church Podcast. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered by the Word of God. For more information about North Church, check out our website at north.church. There you can view more messages and join us for experiences live online. You can also subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great week and remember to love God, love people, and follow Jesus.